is the Blue Room. One hour, everything Everton. Radio City Talk. Hello, welcome to the Blue Room with me, Peter McPartland. I'm joined in the studio by Matt Jones to look back over Everton's interesting game, let's say, with, with West Ham United and also mm. look forward to this weekend's FA Cup quarter-final with Chelsea at home. Let's get straight into it, Matt. Last week was just... It was just all sunshine and rainbows, wasn't it? After the, the takeover and obviously the Aston Villa game. And we were looking forward to this this game against West Ham United. Um, and to be fair, the West Ham United game, you know, it started pretty well. It was an it was a, it was an interesting lineup. I mean, what was your take first of all on on the on the lineup? Obviously, bringing John Stones back and playing uh, three at the back. Very strange because what the way in which we've played the last few weeks is. He's made a conscious effort to keep the same players, hasn't he, and trying and preserve continuity in the side. And the fact that Gareth Barry was was injured for the game, obviously, when you look at, look at the Aston Villa game for example, when Tom Cleverley came out and he brought in a player in Morales who can fulfil mm. that that left midfield role. Whereas when Gareth Barry came out the side, he he seemed to rip it up and start again in terms of getting John Stones back into the side. And you wonder if he kind of had an eye on it on Wednesday when he brought Stones on and kind of played him in that hybrid right back centre back position, but. It worked well, didn't it, for, for a little bit? I think we started the game quite well, but it was just um, it was just peculiar, especially with with Mohamed Bessic sitting on the bench. Me and you, obviously, both big fans of him. That he didn't just say to him, "You, you go and fill that spot. Yeah. We'll keep the same sort of shape, which has been uh, doing well for us, and, and, we'll, and we'll go from there." But you know, in fairness, we we did start the game well for for, for the first half an hour, and it's it's something. It's a strange system, isn't it? Free at the back, I feel as though it's why you can you can mess around with systems like four four two four three three. Four two three one, which is what we play most often. That that's quite a specialist system, isn't it? I think if, you, if you're going to look to implement that mm. system, you need to work at it. You need to give it a few weeks and uh, maybe in a couple of months to, to get it exactly right. And while it's only he, he deployed quite a lot of Wigan, I don't really want to see it used for the odd game here and there. If he's going to do it, you know, if he's going to look at doing it, he needs to do it on a long term basis, not just for the odd game. Yeah, it was um, interesting one because, as you say. There's obviously lo- he was obviously looking at it on Tuesday night against Aston Villa, obviously by bringing John Stones on, um, much to my annoyance, um, and some will talk more about that, uh, I'm sure as the show goes on. But yeah, you, you think Gareth Barry's obviously got, he said he was got an illness or he was on, so he's put on the bench. I don't believe that or not. I don't know. You know what I mean. Mm. Um, and again, it it just feels like it was a shoe on, shoe on way not to make a difficult decision, not to you know. He wanted to bring John Stones back, and he didn't know any other way to do it. Didn't didn't know whether to drop him or or uh, uh, to drop Foon's money or sorry for John Stones. And it just seemed a very very strange decision, especially when you've got as you just said Mo Bessage on the bench, who you'd think would be should be straight back in the team. He was fifth, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. He was our standout player when he got injured. Simple as that. You know, I'll go as far as saying you know. Um, the games that the games that we lost, or the games certainly in between, uh, he would have just had a massive, uh, made a massive difference in. So there was, so you know, there was that factor. Um, I just, I just find it all very, very strange, if I'm honest. And mm. it, uh, to me, Saturday just tipped me over the edge <laughs> in terms of a lot of things. But, but as you say, we started the game really, really well, really positively. Got into, took a lead. Um, and and you know there was there was a little bit of edge to us. There wasn't it wasn't just our normal game. We were we were up for it. The crowd were up for it. Obviously, decisions weren't 
didn't go for us, so that that got the crowd even more going. And obviously, you know, we're one nil up. Great goal by Romelu Lukaku. You know, it was typical normal goal against against West Ham. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Kevin Morales just just completely completely goes and does what we all sort of expect Kevin Morales to do. He dive, blatant dive, and then you know, within the space of you know whatever it was, mm-hmm. ten fifteen minutes, whatever it was, flies in, studs up. Late, whether you think it's a booking or not, in the modern day football, it is a booking. Simple as yeah. that. And he he's gone, and he's, and you're down to ten men, and you're thinking, and, and it's mad because you're thinking this is why you don't play him. Yet you you know <laughs> that's it. It's 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 a, there's a reason why Martinez doesn't trust him at times this season. And you think back to West Brom when he grabbed the penalty at Middlesbrough when he slumped off the pitch at the end when everyone else went to the supporters, and then obviously when he got sent off against Swansea late in the game there as well. And that that's exactly why because although he's He's privy to producing great moments in games. He's just as likely to get himself sent off. And mm. you think back to that, you know, everyone raves about it, but that, that tackle on Suarez in the derby yeah. that time, he could have easily walked for that as well. And there's been other times in his Everton career when you're thinking, you're lucky to have stayed on the pitch there. You, you know, you, you've been rash. But you, you say there it was, a, it was a blatant dive. I, I thought it was a dive as well, but a lot of people don't seem to think it, it was. And especially with all the, the, the talk going on about it this weekend. But I think that's completely irrelevant. When you're on a yellow card and yeah. you're an attacker, you do not go diving into tackles at the top end of the pitch like that. And you could just see it with him. You could see, I, I said to me, Dad, he's got to be careful here. He's, he, he could be getting himself sent off. Because there's one down in, in the corner by, I think, where Eustace actually, where he dived in blocking a corner. It was a really forceful tackle. And if he timed it wrong, it would have been a yellow card as well. And you're thinking, you don't need to do that. You're a forward. Just stay on your feet, close the players down, and just don't let yourself, <laughs> don't get yourself sent off and, 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 you know, set us back in the game. And, it was a moment, I think, which is which is quite indicative of, of the kind of fractured mentality of the club at the moment. I, I, I can't see, I can't see a way a team like, say, for example, Leicester or Tottenham or any of those teams who, who are overachieving this this season, even someone like West Ham, you, mm. you can't see a player for one of their teams, even a flair player or someone who's got a bit of a reputation, diving in that early in the in the game and setting the team back. It's just so indicative of of, of the way we're playing at the moment and, and the propensity we've got to to shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, it's. <laughs> it's just so many things not right. He's an right. idiot. He's just an idiot. Yeah, there's just so many things, little things not right at the moment. And um, it's funny because a lot of people got really, really angry with Mark Noble and his behaviour on Saturday. Uh, I didn't. Uh, well, I was just about to say, you know, I loved what Mark Noble did. I really did. I loved, I loved the fact that he was standing up for his teammates, standing up for his team. You know, this is a player that's played through... Lots of bad at West Ham and is now playing, you know, at a time when it, everything seems to be good. You know, he's he's been there when other players have been around him, um, like Kevin Nolan. Um, and he's gone, you know, whereas they've been moved on, he's stayed at the club. And, and you know, he's it's one of those, he's like, he's one of those, he's, he's sort of like a, he's sort of like a Leon Osmond kind of figure, you know, yeah. you, probably to, to everyone else, they probably wonder what he does, but to, to your own fans, you know, he's... The lifeblood of of the of the team, and I just thought is I thought his behaviour was was um, what you want of a captain. He stood up for his team. Okay, he's he, you know he's 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 helping the ref make a decision there, but that's football. And I just don't. I've said this loads of times. I just don't see that from our players. I don't see that from Phil Jagielka. I don't see it from anyone at our club. It's just all too nice. And um, you know we've seen challenges there. We've seen. You know, one of their players was on a yellow card 
you know, barges into the goalkeeper. Oh, Antonio, yeah, yeah, barges into the goalkeeper, and and no one, no one says a word. It's it's just forgotten about. No one pressures the referee. No one makes him think twice. You know, there's it. It does happen. You know, Noble's example. You know, you look at the Liverpool players on Saturday, uh, Sunday, sorry, for that penalty decision. They're all, they're all, they're all in his ear. They're all saying, "Speak to yeah. your lines and speak to your linesmen." And they get the penalty, and you're just thinking d- decisions can be changed. I know people say they can't, but they can, mm. and we just don't have enough. And it's whether people go, "Oh, well, that's that's not fitting of our club or whatever." That's modern day football, and it's it, there's no lead, well, there's no real leadership out there. That's what saddens well, me most. To me, the referee didn't look like he was going to send Morales off at first. Yeah. I thought he kind of got in the way of it, and then when all the players did swarm around him, he seemed to to change his mind a little bit. And as you mentioned there, that. Again, this weekend there's been a lot of talk about doing things the right way. We don't want to see these sorts of things in the game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you, if by putting pressure on a referee, you can make a decisive moment in the game go in your favour, then you do it. It doesn't matter. Mm. That that's it. And you mentioned Jackie Elka. There were a couple of times early in the game when he did actually go up to the referee. I remember, but it seemed as though he'd kind of thought, "That's that's it. That's enough now. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to annoy him anymore." Whereas Noble kept going over, kept going over in his ear all the time, putting him under pressure, and. I've seen a few people saying on, on Twitter now that that doesn't make much of a difference. It, while it may not make that much of a difference in terms of the referee's decision throughout the course of the game, it's about projecting that image as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? When you've got a figurehead there, someone who's backing all your players, someone who's willing to stand up for the rest of the team, that is so important. And when you see that from Noble, it'll course through the rest of their mm-hmm. players, it'll, it'll rub off on them, whereas us, it's just all very nice, nice. You mentioned there about that, um, that Antonio, Antonio foul. The whole Gladys Street went absolutely mental about yeah. that, but no, none of the players followed suit. Yeah, because and that that happened after the Morales incident. So obviously everyone everyone's baying for blood, mm. apart from our players. And it's proven that you if you do if you do get at the you, it's almost like the referee dismisses it, but then if you get in his ear, he has to take that second longer to think about it. And when did he do? They go, oh yeah, that probably was a foul. Mm. You know, you're giving them that extra second thinking. Referee, the, they always say the best referees are the ones who take a couple of seconds to just think, re, replay the incident in their mind. Um, Especially made, when you're at home as well and you've got the fans behind you. And, and and as you said there, when they're down to 10 men, referees do have a propensity to try and even things up, don't they, at times? And you should be putting them under pressure all the time. But at the end of the day, it was just it was just stupid for Morales. And you could hmm. see Luke, Luke, there's that clip going around, yeah. there's another Luke Haku saying, pointing in his head, saying, what on earth are you doing, yeah. lad? So... I would not be surprised if we didn't see him play for us again for the, for the rest of the season. Yeah, he's an absolute idiot. And obviously that puts us down to 10 men, which which I thought we coded really, really well. You know, man has changed it a little bit, put John Stones at right back. It didn't really seem to work. Um, John Stones isn't a right back. He just yeah. isn't a right back. And, you know, I, I, I'm i not going to have too much of a goal for doing what he did. I mean, I, I think I think at that point, he, you know, he just wanted to get into half time, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep uh, it, Keep things the way they were. I'm not sure. Sometimes I'm. I. I think sometimes. Why not just make the decision to make a sub? If you you know if that's what you're looking to do. Mm. But but he kept this the same at half time. Half time, you know, I thought we got we got in. You know, as I say, one nil up. We we played really well. West Ham come into it, obviously ten men. What you expect? But I thought we did quite well. He made the change. I think a lot of us wanted bringing Besser John. You know, put taking stones off. That seemed to make sense. Besser's energy. Is almost like two players yeah, at times. You know, it's another reason why I'd like to see him in the team, um, you know, permanently. Which you know, I'm sure he will be if he's fit. Um, and again, we started the second half really, really well. 
Um, great goal, great combination between Alan Lennon and, and Romelu Lukaku. And, you know, we're absolutely flying. Bessage wins the penalty. Again, fantastic. He's shown the other side. Mm. The other side. Not just a, not just a lad who runs around and puts tackles in. He's got something about him as well. Um, and then, you know, Rom steps up. I don't know what he was doing with the stupid stutter run. I really don't. Um, but he misses it, which happens. Listen, it, it happens. Yeah. The goalie's got 10 foot off his line. I was going to say, that, <laughs> that, that, that was the decision we should be not happy about because that was that was absolutely ridiculous. And you could see it, you know, in real time. You think, how's he got that, that, that far? Yeah. But... It's yeah. something they're not punished for. It's no. it's you know they they are punished. I've seen the ref a couple of weeks ago and you were analysing uh, penalties and they say most of them don't mind that forward motion uh, off the line. But when you see where he saved it, you know he was, it was <laughs> more than yeah. That, he, it, it was more than the forward motion. He'd 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 gone a few steps forward, so um, that probably should have been retaken. But listen, it wasn't a good penalty. Um, you know, it's mad, isn't it? Like you look at strikers like him, and you think he's such a good striker with a boy. You've got a great finish in the first half there under your belt. He hasn't. I remember him doing that for Chelsea against Bayern Munich in the Super Cup, and he, he missed. And um, it was I think it was that kind of moment which made Mourinho yeah that move him on, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was. I think he tried to do something clever that day, though. I think he tried to do the little dink down the middle, but, and and ever since then he's not really done that, has he? No, but, but he, he, that's what annoyed me more than anything. It was it was it was it was a poor penalty because he changed. The style more than anything else. Um, so you know, I, but but listen, it happens. Messi misses them all the time. Mm. You know, Ronaldo. Do you know, do you know what did annoy me when you just talk about Messi there? The way none of our players were in on it after well, the save. Well, someone was telling me yesterday that some of our players were on the halfway line. Oh yeah, line. they were all having, having speaking to the manager and having a drink and stuff. What, what what is that all about? I think I think James McCarthy was the only one who seen at the time was was running into the box, yeah. but. You mentioned there that messy one that those that penalty did the other week. Their players were so alert on the edge yeah. of the box. Suarez runs in on that. It's not even meant for him because he's so alert and ready to pick yeah. up any loose balls in there. And our players, the goalie saves it, and no one's near it. That's 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 hunger. That's desire. Mm. That's covering covering the bases. That's um. <laughs> Listen, he he missed it. It happens. It's yeah, football. It, does happen. it happens all the time in football. Keepers make saves. We, you know, Joe Robles was the hero two weeks ago because he makes a save in the FA Cup. It happens. It happens in football. Point is, we're still two 0 up. Still two 0 up in the game. Still quite comfortable. Um, Rom had a chance, you know, to make it three again when he let it run across his body um, and got into the box. Decent save by the keeper. Yeah, I don't. Really I, good save, I don't that, yeah. really. He thought he did. He did that himself at Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago where he tries to. Catch the goalie out by doing going with his other foot. For me, I would have just stayed. I would have just kept it on the right hand side, stayed strong, and just tried to kill it in. I think you know. I felt a bit. I've got a bit of sympathy for him in that one, in the way that you could see he did so well to get into the position, mm-hmm. and then the, the movement he makes to get across the defenders kind of takes him to that side, doesn't it? Yeah. And the ball's there, and he, I didn't really feel he's had, he had, had much choice it's, unless he's going to go around the keeper, keep going to his right, and, and do that, or, or flick mm-hmm. it with his left foot, but. I was right behind that. The goalie did really well to get a foot on that oh, yeah. little movement out. Yeah, so. I thought I thought that was just unlucky to be any, to be honest. And as I say, we were doing fine. We were doing fine. You know, two 0 up. We were keeping the shape. The shape was the most important thing. You know, yes, we've got ten men, but if one of them's if it's if it's an attacking player that we're missing, then you can sort of get away with it as long as you keep your shape, which mm-hmm. we were. Anna Lennon was everywhere on the pitch. He was he was a nuisance, um, and he was keeping that shape. 
And then obviously the big moment of the game, as far as I'm concerned, is the substitution. You know, the decision mm. to take Alan Lennon off. Um, Roberto Martinez said that he was tired and he could barely walk. Well, I can't. I didn't see any evidence of that whatsoever. I think he even jogged off the pitch. Yeah. So you know that I, di- I didn't see any anything of that at all. Yeah, he had a good, great game. He's fit. You know, yeah. he's fit and he wants to play. I just didn't see any evidence of that at all. And strange decision for me. I'll tell you who did look tired and could barely walk. Ross Barkley. And you're thinking, you know, I I absolutely love Ross yeah. Barkley. He's probably my favourite player. But in a game like that, you're thinking, you know, he's he's a good player. He gets on the ball, but. He's not going to put a shift in, in 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 that particular system. It was kind of, it was it was a funny system we went to after half time. Was it was kind of Lennon was the closest to Lukaku. Yeah. We had like a diamond midfield, and, and Barkley was falling out to the left, but he wasn't really giving Oviedo any cover. And I was looking at him thinking, he's he looks like he looks like he's struggling here. He looks like he's running mm-hmm. on empty. And especially when you've got players like Leighton Baines on the bench, you could easily yeah. come on and have a go left back or left midfield. Gareth Barry coming in and maybe coming into the midfield. Even Leon Osman coming in and taking that role. But Lennon who. I seen an article yesterday, so uh, st- like a statistical tactical analysis, saying it wasn't this change which cost us because Lennon's defensive influence was has been overstated because he only made one tackle in the second half. But it is it, it supersedes that, doesn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. the way he was getting around the pitch, putting them under pressure, forcing them into silly passes, getting us out with, with his with his, with his pace, that's and, like, and just hassling everybody. That's like the kind of stats that say Tim Howard was the top one of the top five goalkeepers mm. in the country. You know, it's not true. Mm. Because you've got eyes, you, they are. That's when stats. That's when stats do lie. Yeah. Because they can't, they can't show you what what he is doing because it's not tangible. Um, he was everywhere. He was super. And he's fu- he was doubling up. He was doubling up a fullback, and he was forcing, he was f- forcing West Ham to start again. And every time they started again, it was you know the the clock was ticking down more, and the less they were getting into the box. And as soon as he went off, and as soon as he brought Nias on. We completely lost the shape, and it's all right for Roberto Martinez and Phil Jagielka to come out the come out of the come out after the game and say, "Well, as soon as the penalty miss, we felt like that you know we were under pressure." Which for me is a dis- what was that all about? For yeah. me, is a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. You, you, you two, you two leaders of your club, throwing the lads who's kept our season going under the bus. For me, as far as I can say, whether he, whether he meant it like that or not. For me, that's what it comes out as. The lad who's kept our season going with his goals, for a lad who's scoring the kind of goals which really should have us in the top four, um, instead of winning the bottom half of the table. That substitution is just abysmal as far as I'm concerned. Now, whether, you know, I'm sure they have all kinds of stats on, on um, Lennon's energy levels or how far he's running or, like, or, I know, or know how much he, he can run before he's, you know, in the red zone, as they call it. But to bring the ass on, a player that has played about five minutes of Premier League football, uh, a player that I was crying out for last week to be given more time at Aston Villa, um, it, it just absolutely just... It's... It just... I said after I put on Twitter after the game that substitution in the Aruna Coney one at Manchester City are two of the worst I've ever seen watching football in my life because they they both had we talk about Martinez a lot, lot learning from his mistakes mm. and this was exactly the same sort of situation he brought Coney on in that game and it, we got Penn back and they scored two goals uh, sorry three goals 
couple in from crosses into the box and we just got overrun in the, in the wide areas. And again, we find ourselves in a similar situation, trying to cling on to a lead and he brings on uh, Nias. And although you could you could say he didn't do his job properly on the day, he's Martinez would have seen what he's been like in training. He'll be aware of his energy levels. He'll be aware of whether he's, he's capable of playing that position which, which Lennon played. But he came on and he was just nowhere. He wasn't playing as a, as a, as a uh, centre forward. He wasn't yeah. playing as at the tip of the diamond like Lennon was. He was just all over the place. And although people have been writing the lad off already, no, I, think that's, I think that's a bit unfair no, to do, do to be honest. We'll but to chuck him into a game like that when you're under pressure, the system's working well, and you've got options on the bench like Gareth Barry, Baines, like I mentioned, Leon Osman, even Gerard Delafeu could have come on and, and played that role yeah. which Lennon played. You know, he's, he's quick, he can get around the pitch, he can put people under pressure. And just to do that, empty the midfield, and it just had a knock-on effect for the rest of the team. It, it, it made us so much more narrow in, in there. And for a West Ham side who have brought on Andy Carroll, Diafra uh, Sacco, and were just looking to get crosses into the box all the time, it just freed up those wide positions for the full-backs to bomb on, and we struggled so much under the, under the balls into the box. And it was kind of... I imagine if Slavin Bilic on the sideline could have picked the change for Everton to make, that's exactly the one he would have done, because it just gave them free reins on the flank. It put, it put us down to um, nine minutes, essentially. Effectively, yeah. And I, d- I don't want to have a go at the lad, because it's nothing to do with the lad. He just... <coughs> he, he just... He didn't... He didn't have a clue how to get himself into the pace of the game. He, he looked was, like a player who'd play five minutes. Yeah, he was so player. far off the pace; it was unbelievable. He didn't. He didn't actually look like he tactically knew knew what the job was he was there to do. I mean, because what Lennon was doing takes a lot of experience mm-hmm. to know where to run, to know how to hold a position, how to double up on people. Um, and you're thinking as well, that lad as well will be thinking to himself, it's all about the instructions that the managers give him. So he's not really, he hasn't got that experience to know. Whereas Lennon will know, will have been given a job and know how to tailor mm-hmm. to suit to suit what's happening in the game. This lad will just be, it was almost like every time someone got the ball, he made a movement towards that player, but didn't have any time to get near them. So he was always in between players. He, he, you know, there was one chance he got with the ball went over the top and he, he, he messed it up, to be honest. He was, he was clean through yeah. and just messed it up to be honest um, he was so far off the pace it was unbelievable and as you say that was not the sub to go to effectively bring another striker on at that point because that's what he was he wasn't He wasn't doing what Lennon was doing you think well either take take Lukaku off if you're going to do that but Barkley was probably more more of a player you would take off but if you have to play, take Lennon off how about bring Baines on at left back and push Oviedo to left midfield. Oviedo was getting torn to shreds down that side. But in fairness, like I mentioned there, because Barkley was doing that shuttling mm. job out to the left side, he didn't have he didn't have any cover whatsoever. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And, and Antonio, who's, who's, who's a winger, really was playing at right back, and he was just bombing on. Yeah. He had free reign the whole time, and it just left us so exposed in those areas. And although although fatigue can take over in, in these sorts of circumstances, and when you've got ten men, you've been playing with ten men mm. for a long time. Everyone, everyone knows. If if a player gets sent off against Everton, you immediately think they're going to be hard to break down yeah, now because yeah. they're going to sit in and they're not going to give you any any space. And look at West, what West Brom did was the other week. They didn't move from their eighteen yard box, and you're thinking after you've gone two 0 up, after you've missed a penalty, and to continue flying forward like that in the game and tr- and trying to nick another goal, you should just shut up shop and then take the take what would have been a hard end yeah. graft and three points not open the game up and make it into even more frantic content but listen we don't help ourselves at all because we can't defend shocking I mean you know I've, 
One of the West Ham players was on, um, I think he was on goals on Sunday, I'm not sure who it was. It was Antonio, it wasn't it? Antonio. Yeah. Uh, and he basically said, the manager told us, you know, we know they can't defend long balls into the box. And it's been proven this week, mm. hasn't it? You know, that's, you know, that's, uh, well, I mean, the last the last few games, the corner against West, West Brom, the goal against Villa, uh, three goals, all three goals on, on Saturday came from long balls into the box. Okay, the last one was... Slightly different because it was knocked down, but it's still a, still just a long ball into the box. Um, and what again? What it shows you is West Ham had a plan B, and it worked perfectly. Mm. You know they've played some decent football this year, a counter attacking inside, but they've got a plan B, and it worked. And fair play to them. And at the back, you know, you can as I say you can sort the sub all you want, but just the ability to just or the. the not having the ability just to defend balls into your box. I mean, Foon's Moray, you know, he's a big lad. When he's at the other end, you see him attack balls. When he's in our, our box, don't see him attack anything. You know, all three goals. I mean, they're not all his fault, but he's so flat-footed. He's rooted on them all. So yeah. flat-footed. I mean, the third one, the one that, you know, the, the header is outside the box, but he's got, he's, he's just he's never anywhere near winning them. Jack Yelka's the same. John Stones is pretty much the same, so that tells you one thing that it's not something they work on. You know, you don't have you know ex professionals will tell you if you if if you were bad at something or you kept on getting caught at something, you'd be in Monday morning and you'd be getting drilled on it and it wouldn't be nice. It would not be nice. It would be just continual bombarding to the box till till you start to getting it right. And it's clear that, that just that just doesn't happen at Everton. Well, did you hear what? I'm not not by any means saying we should go and appoint this fella. By the way, but did you hear what Sam Allardyce said in the weekend after the uh, they conceded late on against Southampton? He said we're going to go in on Monday and we're going to be doing so many set piece drills, so many defensive drills mm. that these players will be sleeping and dreaming of, of of defending. And I was thinking there is absolutely no way in a million years that's going to happen at Everton. There is no way these the players will be in training today or they would have been in training yesterday. And they would have been practicing stopping crosses or winning crosses. And and you mentioned that Foon's Mori, like you said, for a player who who seems to love attacking the ball in the um in the in the in, yeah. in the opposition area. He seems he, he seems petrified. But there's glory in it. There's glory in it mm. though at the other end of the pitch. There's no glory in it yeah. for when you're doing it in your own box. But you you're right about Sam Allardyce because you know players players don't want to be going to training and and it being something they don't enjoy. They want to be going into training, and it's all fun, and it's all a laugh, and it's all football. It's you know you don't want it to be like a punishment, you know, like a school school punishment. But I'm afraid sometimes it has to be to get the basics right, and that's what that's what we we simply don't we don't do. We just don't get the basics right, and it's dead easy. And you just look at it and think the first one they got so much joy off that you think they'll just keep doing that, and it it was so so simple for them, and that's what makes it worse. And you just think. Any team we play against now will just be looking to do that. Just well, they have been doing, they've been doing it all season, yeah. and it's just you know Villa the other night exactly the same, just one ball in the box. I mean they'll be kicking themselves that he didn't play Gusted all game because yeah. he could have had so much joy. He could have had more as well. Yeah, at the end of it's that pan- game, and yeah. it's panic stations, and you know I didn't think I'll be honest, I don't I, I didn't think uh, Joe Robles helped us too much no. on. I thought you know we we we've been you know for the things that we've been very critical about uh, Tim Howard about, uh, I think. Joe Robles needed to be a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger as well um, on, on Saturday for the crossers as well. Um, but it, it it's abysmal. It really is. And again, something I've heard you know, West Ham players saying is that 
Um, Billet said to them, just keep playing. Don't don't panic. Don't start, you know, panicking around 70 minutes. Just keep playing. Keep doing what you're doing. Believe in the way we're playing and something will come for you. And, it, and it, you know, three goals in 12 minutes, it's just, that's a massive statement. And they've played in, you know, they've played a bit of long ball, they've played diagonals, they've played football when they needed to play football. They've Basically what they did was, when they found when 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 they found that the way they wanted to play couldn't get through us, they threw the kitchen sink, Harrison's, yeah. and, and, and that's something you never see us do either. And it's just so annoying. And I'm, I'm afraid when that third goal went in on Saturday, that was it for me. That was my point of no return um, for, for the manager. For the manager, the, as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, he just doesn't have what it takes to take a team that he keeps telling us is the is one of the best squads in Europe. Keeps telling us it's full of players with all this potential. Um, <laughs> it's it, but, but it's in twelfth place in the Premier League. I could go out and buy all the parts for a, a you know an Aston Martin. Yeah. Doesn't make me a mechanic, does yeah. it? You know, I, I might, might be able to isolate oh, that their boss tires, that's a boss engine, yeah. this is a boss colour and a, a great body kit, but I haven't got the nose to put them together. It doesn't make me a, a good mechanic all of a sudden. And it, it was a game, I'm just, I'm so fed up of hearing these hard luck stories after mm. every game as well, because I was looking, looking back, looking back through these, these results that we've had this season, I, I, the game at the weekend reminded me of that, that game against Villa when Ashley Young scored yeah. and how. That match was kind of a one-off in, in the sense that we lost the game in such dramatic yeah. circumstances, and it was a real, it was a real sucker punch for us. And that team, that season, went on to get in the FA Cup final. I feel as though they learnt lessons from that, from that, from that match. But having those experiences in those sorts of games four times in the season is not good for development. You think about the game against Bournemouth, the game against uh, Stoke at home on the, on the twenty eighth. You think about the Chelsea game, Manchester City, and and this one. These are these are chasing experiences that you'd usually get once or twice in every five or six seasons. If, as, as a fan, you know, supporters must be coming off the grounds all over the country, looking at the phones, thinking, "Oh my god, I'm glad I'm not an Everton fan losing the game like that again." It must be horrible. Mm. And the fact that he continues to peddle these these external factors are costing us, like the referee, bad luck, the team being close to to clicking. It's just it just doesn't wash anymore, and he needs to take more responsibility. He needs to be a little bit more humble and start looking and, and addressing the the frailties that are clearly there and I, I'll be honest after that Chelsea game and the way the team suffered exactly the same sort of capitulation 49 days on from the Bournemouth result that was that was sort of my tipping point and I, I felt after that as if we, we were never going to learn go anywhere but after making such some good steady progress and getting a little bit more pragmatic over the last few weeks for us to throw it away again like we did at the weekend and for the manager to not only make the same mistakes again and again to find new ways of, of messing yeah. up games and, and, and new ways of, of throwing games out the window. It just shows that this is a team which, which isn't going anywhere under his watch at the moment. Yeah, it's... Uh, the worst one for me is that he doesn't take any responsibility. There's uh, no, no, way did he, no way did he say, listen, I, I hold my hands up, I made a mistake, I... Uh, I, that substitution, I thought it'd work and it didn't. Um, it's all, as you just said, external factors or even saying about the penalty. So therefore, he's throwing it on Rom, whether he meant it or not. Mm-hmm. No, at no point is he saying the sub cost us. You know, I got it. I got it wrong. Yet other managers like Mourinho, he 
he'd, he'd, he'd always do that mm. because it's taking the pressure off his own players. Yeah, he's finding excuses, um, and it, and I think it's, I think that's gonna be the real downfall of him because you're hearing people now come out and say, um, you're hearing you know critics, um, you know you're hearing Chris Sutton I heard last night saying he's just a joke, he's just making a joke of himself mm. now, he's just blaming everyone. Yeah, it's clear that it's down to him. Um, so for well, some it- for some people, it's certainly not washing anymore. It's not washing with me. Because I don't really listen to him anymore. Because the things he comes out with is is nonsense. And what I think what saddens me more than anything is, um, I genuinely like him as a as a um, as a man, and I think he's got oh, yeah. a lot going for him. And I think he's got a lot of factors. But like you just said, you know, you can buy all the parts. You've got you can have an eye for a for a bargain and or or a, or you know. But it's putting them together, and he just can't, doesn't seem to be able to put them together. Um, he'd be a cracking director of football or head of recruitment or whatever, mm. but he just doesn't seem to be able to put the parts together. That's it. If you've got bright ideas about football and a great vision of the way the game should be played, and you can you can see young players, that doesn't necessarily make it a, a good manager, does it? And he's been a Premier League. This I think this is his seventh season now as a Premier League manager, isn't it? And you can look at his Wigan teams, and you look at this Everton team, and and. All of a sudden, that, that 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 one season when he finished fifth is starting to look more and more like an anomaly, and I, I can't see a situation where he would be given the boot anytime soon, but especially before the end of the season. But it's just worrying, isn't it? And you look at the the club now; they've been taken over, looking to go into towards a you know a, hopefully a, a better better era in, in the future. They're going to spend big money in the summer. You just wonder if he's having him there and and, and going forward with this kind of model, which is. Mm. Not conducive to any kind of long term success. Is the right idea? I do think now that I do think there's definitely there's definitely going to be more pressure. I think oh there will. Be, I think yeah. more. I think I think more. There's going to be more scrutiny because of of new ownership. Listen, if if there hadn't been a if there hadn't been a you know a takeover, um, I don't think I don't think anyone would be looking any different. But I think now that you know there has been that that you can look at it and go you know what well there has to be pressure on him he's saying there isn't any more pressure on I'd be disgusted if there wasn't any more pressure yeah. and I feel like now you know it uh, listen it just makes me laugh it just really makes me laugh it's happened again and listen if it had happened in isolation fine things happen in football but as you just mentioned it's not the first time um we're, you know we're not all listen we're not all sitting here we're not all football geniuses with all our coaching badges or whatever but you know we've watched football enough to know what what's bad and what's and what's good, and we're sitting here again pointing out the same things again and again and again. And I just I just I can't I just it's gone too far for mm. me now. I, just, I I honestly think I honestly think any half decent manager with a half decent squad could get you could get top top seven in the Premier League. I don't think it's, it's been that shown, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been. I don't think it's that hard. You know, you've got these. You've got managers like Pulis and Allardyce who are specialists in keeping, you know, getting defenses sorted. You just have to get the other side sorted, basically, or accept the help to get the other side sorted. Which, you know, he keeps going on. It's like it's like it's like this utopia, um, and it's just not going to happen. It's if, as far as I'm concerned, it's just not going to happen. I I don't see it clicking into place because we played really well on Saturday, not- and then one stupid decision by the manager for me has cost us the game. It's not going to click into place, Ped, is it? Because things like hard work don't just happen overnight. Things like organisation don't just suddenly happen. The work done, and we, and we mentioned this on the show a few weeks back about how 
Leicester and Spurs have, have been putting these foundations in for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's not something that just suddenly clicked with them and, and came to be. They worked meticulously at it. They had managers in who valued those sorts of principles. And our manager simply doesn't value those sorts of principles. He doesn't value defensive solidity. Mm. He doesn't deva- doesn't want every player in his team to work hard, which is what you need to, su- to succeed in the Premier League. And I, I understand some people when they say it's, it's, it's exciting to watch us now. We play good football and some of these games are, are a lot more enjoyable you know I'm doing uh, <laughs> common marks with me, with me hands there but I I wouldn't mind that so much if we were on the right end of some of these crazy results every now and then but yeah, we're not. You, you look at all those games I mentioned there we've been on the wrong end we've been the butt of the joke every single time what, what, I can't remember a game this season which has been end to end Everton attacking the other team attacking we've played great football where we've scored a last minute winner or we've come back from, from late on in the game and, and, and snatched it with two late goals. Yeah. It just, it just have, hasn't happened. We've always been on the wrong side of it. And when that continues to happen, there's a major issue. That's a mentality problem. That That's weakness, that. Mm. Um, someone's asked us to mention the fact that we've uh, we've only lost one game away from home, which is the fewest defeats away in the top five leagues in Europe. Which is, you know what, that's that's absolute, that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant thing. Um how many away games have we actually won? Uh, I think it's five or five. four. I'm not entirely sure. Five, I think it is. Which, which is, you know what? That's that's quite good. That is quite good. It's not good enough. Um, that's only half a job. But that, yeah. But that's half a job, and that's that's the problem. And that doesn't that doesn't um, listen. We're better away from home because it suits us playing on the counter attack. It suits our players, so that's great. But number one, it's only half a job, and. It hides, you know. It actually it hides what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, it does. You, you, it doesn't. You can look at things, as I say, in 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 um, isolation. You got to look at the bigger picture. I mean, away from home, we've beaten Aston Villa, Newcastle, um, West Brom, Southampton, and Stoke. So you know they're the teams we've beaten there. No, no real great yeah. great teams there. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But at the end of the day, we've won nine games, lost eight games, and we've got thirty-eight points, and we've played twenty-eight games. I mean, that's that's the that's the stat. Mm. You know that we haven't even got forty points yet. You know, we haven't got forty points yet, and we're in we're in March. I'd say I'd say the away record's good, but the home record's appalling. But, 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 you know, I- we've won three games in in the last ten mm. in the Premier League, home or away. So if, is that? I mean, that to me. That's woeful form. You don't get you don't get more points for Aston Villa have won two in the last ten. Newcastle have won two in the last ten. Sunderland have have won three in the last ten. Uh, Bournemouth have won four. You know that that to me is pretty pretty bad form. You it's know, awful awful form. You know, absolutely awful. That, that's abysmal. You look above us. Chelsea have won five, drawn five. Southampton have won five, lost lost three. But the, the the it's wins, you know what I mean? If Everton had won five and lost five, then that might look a little bit mm. different. But it's just it's just not good but, enough. And as far as I say, as far as I'm concerned, I just I just think that it, you know we're in March, but it, when we're at the end of the season and we're not going to finish in the European places, I don't know even even know if we'll finish in the top half. I think we might just finish in the mm. top half. Um, but. He's took a team that continually finished in the top six, top seven, and he's had one good season with them, and then for the next two seasons we'll have missed out on Europe, 
Um, and and maybe two seasons in a row, we'll have them in the bottom half of the table. And that for me is not acceptable. When, when he said or the chairman said, Champions League football, and you were in a season where it looks like Leicester are going to win the league. And, w- and one thing I would say when you were saying before about um, being able to defend and changing the system, Leicester first half of the season, absolute flying, winning games three two, things you know. Conceding a lot of goals, and now now the managers managers looked at that and gone. Do you know what? We can't carry on like this because at some point we'll stop scoring goals. So we have to start defending. Starts defending, shutting out games like that at Watford. Really tough place to go and get a one nil win, and they've managed to do that so many times in the last few weeks where they just defenders for their lives. And you're talking about base. These are, these are this is a team that really has got a little. It's got Mahrez in, who is played the year. Vardy scored goals and is a great runner. Apart from that, it's a it's a splattering of um, sort of has beens and no mm-hmm. no never beens and just they're just organised and they're probably going to win the league this season. It's just it's just it's just ridiculous. You mentioned the getting into the top seven a lot and top six under the, the previous manager. What were those What were those seasons built upon? We never used to get bees at home. We used to be structured yeah. all the time. And every now and then you'd nick a point away from home. Yeah. Your, your home form is so important to, the, to, to your football club. And if you can't, if you can't galvanise that fan base who goes to watch your week in, week out, 40,000 fans who go and watch Everton with strong performances, then you're always going to be onto a loser. Because... People don't want to. People aren't looking forward to going to the match anymore. We've see, we've seen the team lose seven games in a, in you know in the Premier League this season. Martinez's first year when, and the uh, in 2014 when Moyes was there for half and he was there for half. We lost one home game in the Premier League in the calendar year. That's it. And we've lost seven in in the space of how many months? Seven months? Not even that. And it's just you need to be able to see out games at home. You need to give your home fans something to, to, to get excited about because otherwise. We come on this show, we're not happy. You know, you do your toffee TV, people aren't happy about that. You go to the pubs before the game, people aren't happy because they're not looking forward to the going to the game. And it, you can't you can't create that that atmosphere which you need to, to push the, the club forward and you can't gather that momentum. So but the it's, momentum's it's, it's great the, it's great being good away from home, but your home form is momentum's more important the big for me. thing. We've we've only won back to back games, you know, once this season. That's the that's the real issue. You know, we haven't we haven't gone on any kind of run at all this season. We thought we were going on one like a couple of weeks ago, but it never happened. Um, I mean, obviously Saturday's Chelsea, big chance, you know, to get to the semi final of the FA Cup. Obviously, we've already been to a to a semi final in in the League Cup, but obviously it's a big chance. But playing a team we're in form, I mean, it's a great chance to bounce back, um, and sort of put the woes of the league behind us. But it's it's going to be a difficult game. But in a way, I'm I'm glad of that because we seem to, when we play the bigger sides or the or the stronger sides, we seem to have a slightly different mentality. You know the the crowd will be up for it, um, and and it does give us a big chance to sort of forget about the woes of the of the league, um, and concentrate on getting to you know FA Cup semi final and hopefully progress into a, into a final. That's it. It's just a chance to try and try and you know <laughs> again though you you say about the atmosphere will be good and that in the back of everyone's mind it'll be that game at the weekend against West Ham and how we threw it away and the the. The despair everybody felt coming out away from the ground. Well, the big problem is, Matt. The big problem is if you do have a two nil lead, there is that it's always edginess. that thing at the back. There'll always be edginess now in every game, no matter if people like it or not. And then when people start moaning about the atmosphere at Goodison, you 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 you, you know 
it, how can you, you can't, people are like, oh, the atmosphere is terrible. It's because of the atmosphere. No, it's not because of the atmosphere. It's because you're sitting there with five minutes to go, even if you're 2-0 up. I mean, against Villa last week, I was still edgy in the last minute, even mm. though it was 3-1. And that that's because we're so poor at defending leads. Now, you know, you shouldn't need a third goal to kill a game off. You shouldn't. Teams, some teams, as you just said, there was Moyes teams where, you know, you even at 1-0, you were quite comfortable because mm. you, you thought, well, we're experienced at this. This team, you're still worried, and that's the problem. And the players obviously obviously feel that as well, which is which is which is poor mental poor mentality, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and that you know that all comes from the manager. But again, we're going back over all ground a bit there. But yeah, try and be positive for this game at the weekend, as you said. It'll hopefully suit us in terms of style. Um, they've obviously got a big game against Paris Saint Germain on Wednesday, which they'll be going all out for in the in the Champions League. So yeah, it's. Um, it's one way you would usually fancy us to do this because the the way they we played against these this season we all played them in, in both games obviously we beat them comfortably at Goodison Stamford Bridge we threw it away again but I want to see a team on Saturday which is packed full of energy I want to see I want to see Betic back in the team I want to see Aaron Lennon playing in the team hopefully get cleverly on that left hand side as well and I want to make sure that the side is compact that we're getting around the pitch putting tackles in and lifting the crowd Gareth Barry's been good, but mm. I think you've been you've been saying this for a few weeks about how it's it might be time to torture him out and, and bring in Bessage alongside McCarthy. Yeah. And that's that's the team I'll go with at the weekend. I want to see players snapping around Chelsea, getting around the likes of William, as in had Ed and Hazard, and not giving them any time to breathe. And for us to try and suffocate them and try and nick a girl, nick an early goal and, and, and get us on the front foot in the game and give the fans something to shout about. Not sit back and mm. try and, 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 and soak up pressure and let the let the game dwindle away from us. Would you um would you play John Stones? Yeah, I think I would. I think I'd bring him in instead of Funes Mori. Yeah, I would as well. I um, I, yeah, I, I I genuinely think John Stones is a better defender, and no matter what's been said in the last few weeks, or there's been a lot of revision. Yeah, revision exactly. About him, hasn't history, there, yeah. yeah, I think John Stones is a much, and I think if he's on it, um, then. He's he's a, he's a such such so much a better better player. You know he don't don't forget this is a player. Not too long ago we were talking about being one of the best in the world, and then suddenly after a couple of perfor- poor performances, you know he's the worst in the world, and he's he's not. He's a very very good player, and he just needs to have his head right. Mm. And hopefully, you know Saturday he came into the team with a back back three, and you, you can see him. He's still a young lad, and the confident he's lost confidence, and you can see he's on, he probably. For me, he probably feels like he's lost the crowd. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't help him Saturday, obviously, playing in a three, um, going and having to go to right back. It just never... And obviously going off. And I'd like him to come back in on Saturday and just prove everyone prove everyone that he probably thinks is wrong about him. Because I, I still think he's I still think he's cla- a class player. Oh, I do as well. It's just... We, we've been saying all season how we want the players to be held to high standards in terms of the performances. Well, Funes Mori's had an awful game at the weekend, didn't yeah. he? So you can look at him now and say, right, you've been good recently. You've dropped a few clangers there. You're going to come out and somebody else is going to get the chance. And you can challenge Stones then. Yeah. Go and take your chance Listen, in the team. Play, players have got to hold their hands up and say, mm. you know, whether it was the last 15 minutes or it was whatever, we can see the three very soft goals and mm. someone's got to pay the, pay the price for that. It's as simple as that. Exactly. You know, very, very poor. So... Um, you know, he's, he's had some time out, hasn't he? He's been watching off on the yeah. sideline, which I think has done him good. He's had uh, a good game against Chelsea at Goodison, Goodison Park earlier in the season. 
and he just gives us that composure, which might be crucial in a game which is going to be quite frantic. So, yeah, I think I'd, uh, I think I'd probably bring him in for this one. Yeah, I think he helps going forward as well. I think um, not not some someone doing cross turns or anything, but <laughs> I think you know he can set he sets the tone as well at times. He brings the ball off from the back and. He's just got to get his head back on it. He's gone through a little spell, as every young player will do, where you know things have just gone wrong for him. That happens in football. It will happen. It'll happen with all all young footballers. So hopefully, hopefully he's back. Uh, hopefully we're back on Saturday, um, and and we can get the win and forget about the woes of the league. Um, and, and concentrate. Before on you do else. that, we've had some questions in from people on Twitter. Very very quickly, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, just so John who said uh, Martinez doesn't learn from his mistakes. Kiev, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, list is endless. Fremen leads away. Can't really argue with that, yeah. can you? Um, is the one sole positive from Saturday uh, being that the most encouraging for the most part, Gareth Barry wasn't missed. Is that encouraging going ahead? Yeah, because yeah, he wasn't he wasn't missed as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Uh, do Everton sack managers? Question mark. That's from uh, Colm M. If we lose on Saturday, will that be it for Roberto? Do you think we can hold on to Rom in the summer? Um, no and no. Really <laughs> <laughs> positive, isn't it? And uh, what position would you like to see us strengthen in the summer and players you will clear out in order to move on? That's from Drunken Evertonian. I think we have to. I think we have to improve in every single position, don't we? Like literally every single position we could do better in. Um, you mean defence? Def- oh no, I mean every single position. <laughs> no, I, I generally do believe we could. We could. We need another striker. I think we need. Okay, right wing. We've got a lot of players, but. We haven't uh, got any left wingers. We haven't got any left wingers. Uh, we could probably do uh, centre midfield. We're probably all right in. Um, we could actually probably do with another centre back. We could do with another right back. Um, and we might left back. We're probably all right in. Mm. Um, and we need another goalie as well to challenge to challenge in there. So there's a lot of positions we need to strengthen in because at the end of the day we're in 12th position in the Premier League. Yeah. If you said we didn't need to strengthen, it's not just it isn't just solely down to the to the manager as well. We do need better players as well. Yeah, I agree. I think I think the left midfield's the one for me. I'd like to see us yeah. to get the, the mainly done. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Right, that's enough. That's enough time for moaning. Let's be honest. No uh, more talk about the West Ham. No, game, no yeah. more, no more talk about that. Let's be positive. Let's hope we can get the win on there. Uh, Saturday and get us into the uh, semi-final of the FA Cup not even mentioning Wembley it's just the semi-final of the FA Cup uh, that should be the carrot uh, and hopefully we'll do it on, on Saturday and we'll be back next week to talk about it see you then